What's going on, everyone? This is Joe Jackson, your host for the Nurseology Podcast, coming at you with episode three of our pathophysiology series for nurses. If this is your first episode with us, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the series. We're stoked to have you here. Today's episode is going to cover cancer and neoplasms and give you an overview of the pathophysiology of cancer uh, from a generalized perspective. There are many cancers and they progress and act very differently from one another. Uh, but all we're covering today is the basics. This episode's going to be a little longer than the last two, but we're going to do our best to make it worth your time. As always, we recommend feedback about our podcasts and content, and we welcome recommendations for new podcasts. So if you're a nursing student or you're a practicing nurse, and you can think of a topic that would add value to this community of nurses and students that are exposed to this material, we are happy to dig into the research and provide the most up-to-date information on those topics. Without further ado, let's jump right in. All right, let's go over a few things that are going to give us a foundation to kind of grow from when it comes to cancer and neoplasms. First of all, let's talk about proto-oncogenes, oncogenes, and tumor suppressor genes. Now, these genes, on a basic level, regulate proliferation. Okay, so when everything is working as it should, we have oncogenes and proto-oncogenes that are activating cell division and promoting that cell proliferation. Whereas the tumor suppressor genes are suppressing that cell division or even in some cases promoting apoptosis. And if you're not sure what apoptosis is, it is the programmed cell death or destruction uh, that we talked about in episode two. Now, cancer is thought to develop when those proto-oncogenes become inappropriately activated in a cell or when the tumor suppressor genes become inappropriately inactivated in a cell. This causes an uncontrolled cell division that we recognize as cancer itself. Now, this change in gene function is usually due to mutations in the cell's DNA. Now, when that happens, we have carcinogenesis, which is the process by which cancer develops. Now, full expression of cancer in a host is a multi-step process. These steps have been described as initiation, promotion, and progression. The initiating event or the initiation is usually from genetic mutations, either from random mutations or some sort of inflammatory uh, toxic stimulus. Promotion refers to the stage in which the mutant cell is induced to proliferate. When exposed to growth factors or um, steroids or whatever the case may be, it has the opportunity to proliferate. And that's our promotion stage. Progression is the stage during which the mutant proliferating cell actually acquires property that allows malignancy to occur. So it's that beginning process of the malignancy or spreading to other tissues. Another interesting fact, um, which is just kind of a, a free addition, so put this in your pocket. Malignant cells commonly produce telomerase, which is an enzyme that repairs telomeres at the end of the chromosomes of mutated cells, which may be a key for attaining their immortality. And on top of that, the majority also have insufficient P53, which allows tumor cells to escape apoptosis despite there being DNA damage. Now, malignant cancers are classified on the degree of differentiation, which is grading, uh, and the extent of the disease itself, which is the staging. Grading is the histologic characterization of the tumor cells, 
whereas staging describes the location and pattern of the tumor spread within the host. Uh, For example, grade one tumor has cells that are more differentiated and are less likely to cause problems because their similarity to the local tissues. Whereas a grade four cancer cell is highly undifferentiated, meaning they do not share any characteristics like the original tissue and are far more dangerous. Now the TNM or tumor node and metastasis staging system for cancer and tumors uh, evaluates the tumor size, the nodal involvement and the metastatic process itself. That system is technically a zero to four scale Uh, The TNM system does recognize a stage zero, which is abnormal cells that are present, but they have not yet spread to nearby tissues. Uh, They're also called carcinoma in situ, or CIS. Uh, And again, CIS is not cancer, but it may become cancer. So like we talked about in episode two of this series, this is the dysplasia, which is recognized as a precancerous find. And then you have stages one through three, cancer is present. Um, The higher the number, the larger the cancer tumor, and the more it has spread into nearby tissues. Stage four, the cancer has spread to distant parts of the body. Okay, so that's how we're using that TNM staging system. So let's talk about benign versus malignant growth for just a second. Malignant tumors have the potential to kill the host, whereas benign tumors generally do not. The primary difference between malignant and benign tumors is the propensity of malignant tumors to invade adjacent tissue and spread to distant sites or metastasize. Now, I do want to add a little caveat here. We will see and you will see uh, in practice that you can have a benign tumor that indirectly causes damage or death uh, in a patient. Okay, so if you have a, a non-metastatic benign tumor that let's say is, is on the brainstem and it is putting pressure on the brainstem and it is causing respiratory distress and issues and cardiac arrhythmias and things of those nature, those things can indirectly kill the host. But again, it's different because a malignant tumor will metastasize and spread to all parts of the body and directly kill the host whereas there's a smaller, a much smaller margin for benign tumors uh, indirectly killing the host. The suffix OMA, O-M-A, is used to indicate a benign tumor. Uh, An example of that is fibroma. Okay, carcinoma or sarcoma are used to indicate malignancy, like fibrosarcoma. And exceptions to this include uh, melanomas, lymphomas, hepatomas, and leukemia, all of which are malignant but don't follow that same rule. Malignant cells exhibit antisocial properties that allow them to ignore growth-controlling signals from the environment. Cancer cells proliferate excessively, become immortal, invade locally, and then may travel to distant sites where they establish new colonies. So let's talk about epidemiology and cancer risk factors for just a second. The risk of developing cancer increases with age. It's also estimated that men have almost a 1 in 2 or a 50% lifetime chance of developing cancer, whereas women uh, have a little more than 1 in 3 or a 33% chance uh, in developing cancer in their lifetime. Now again, 
in both cases, 33% and 50%, that is a staggering number. That means one in every three people or one in every two will end up developing cancer. So there, it's, it's a big portion of what you're going to see in your nursing career because so many people are developing it. Now, the development of many cancers is related to lifestyle, particularly tobacco use and nutrition. Smoking cessation is considered extremely important in reducing cancer risk. Guidelines regarding nutrition are less clear, although there is a significant correlation to dietary habits and cancer proliferation. There's a lot more recent studies that I would highly recommend looking into. However, we do see that at the very minimum, limiting excessive calorie and alcohol intake while increasing intake of dietary fiber, fruit, and vegetables is an obvious benefit for our patients. Let's talk about metastasis for just a second. Malignant cells produce specialized enzymes and receptors to enable them to escape their tissue of origin and metastasize or, or spread to adjacent tissues. And obviously that's not supposed to happen. The spread of tumors generally occurs by way of the bloodstream or lymphatics. Tumor cells often lodge in the capillary beds of the organs that drain them, such as the liver and the lungs. And some tumors appear to set up shop or, or a home uh, in certain tissues. The grading and staging systems that we talked about earlier are tools that are used to predict tumor behavior and guide uh, cancer therapy. It allows us to somewhat predict where the cancer is going to go and how fast. And of course, all cancers are going to be a little bit different, but it gives us a, a really good idea and kind of guides and directs our treatments. As cancer progresses, manifestations associated with the advancement of that cancer are very, very broad. But here's some of the things you're going to see in the nursing field uh, in our cancer patients. Anemia, particularly in blood-borne cancers. Cachexia, uh, which is a general wasting or deterioration, a, a, a malnutrition that you'll see in a lot of our cancer patients. Uh, fatigue, frequent infections, uh, leukopenia, which is a low white blood cell count. And an interesting note is that immunosuppression with consequent infections is a primary cause of cancer-associated death. So it's very, very important to make sure we're keeping track of all of that. Thrombocytopenia, or low platelets, and then pain. And I, I put pain on its own line because we recognize now in medicine that, that cancer pain is very different than normal somatic pain that we feel. Um, and you really have to have that perspective. You're going to be treating cancer patients and recognizing that their pain is just different. It's very different. Many times, very, very severe. All right, let's talk about cancer therapy for just a minute here. The main thing I want to point out regarding cancer therapy is early detection. Early detection of cancer, while it remains localized, is associated with the best prognosis for a cure. The overall five-year survival rate for patients with cancer is about 68%. The mainstays of cancer therapy are going to be surgery, radiation therapy, and chemotherapy. Surgery and radiation therapy are effective for cancers that are localized, whereas chemotherapy is usually uh, the treatment of choice for cancers known or suspected uh, to be disseminated in the body. Cells that divide rapidly are the most susceptible to damage from radiation or chemo. Okay, so radiation and chemo are, are tracking and, and destroying cells that 
rapidly proliferate because we recognize that's one of the main characteristics of cancer cells is that they rapidly and uncontrollably uh, divide. However, in addition to cancer cells, rapidly dividing normal cells may be killed. So cells of the bone marrow, hair follicles, and the GI mucosa uh, are particularly susceptible. And we'll talk about how in the medical field uh, we do a few things to kind of combat um, those things being destroyed. Immunotherapy, um, which is another option for cancer therapy, uh, it has the potential to specifically target cancer cells. Um, so things like interferon, IL-2, um, and there's, there's numerous uh, monoclonal antibodies that are being used to boost the immune system's ability to locate and destroy cancer cells. So if you're curious about those options, definitely dig into some more research. Uh, CAR T cells is another uh, newer, relatively new uh, cancer therapy that is showing some um, interesting results. So definitely look into those things. Uh, gene and molecular therapy may be used to alter the cancer cells to suppress the oncogenes or enhance the tumor suppressor genes or make tumor cells more susceptible to the cytotoxic agents. So there's lots and lots of different options. Some of the stuff that we do is treatment for the results of the radiation and or chemotherapy. So transplantation of hematopoietic stem cells is an important adjunct to the cancer therapy. Um, it provides a method to restore the bone marrow function after high dose irradiation or chemotherapy. Uh, so like we talked about earlier, the chemo and the radiation oftentimes kill normal, healthy, but rapidly proliferating cells in the body. So things like uh, the red blood cells, the white blood cells, the bone marrow itself, and the transplantation of the hematopoietic stem cells allows us to treat those symptoms while still doing the radiation. And a lot of times you'll see cycles. They'll cycle through chemotherapy and radiation treatments. Whew. All right, that's all. That was a lot, but thanks for hanging in there with us. Uh, as always, we hope to add value in any way that we can, so feel free to reach out if you need anything from us. Uh, we're a team of nurses and nursing students looking to add value and change the way we nurse. We use many, many resources to make sure our content is as accurate as possible, and a full list of cited resources are in the description. Thanks again for sticking with us and listening. We will see you in the next episode.